Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit outreachchurch.net for downloads and service information. Father, thanks for the thanks for the, the this moment of time when people are saying, "Here's my offering." This this the the money, whatever they're putting in this thing, isn't really their offering. Their offering is themselves. And this is just a small symbol, a token, but it is something. And and I want to add to this this morning, Father. I want to offer this tired, raspy old voice this morning. Use it. Use the truth that you put in my heart. Holy Spirit, help me to organize this. Help me to communicate it. Let me say what you want me to say. <clears throat> and And help us, Father, let this let this be seed on good ground. I just thank you, Father, <clears throat> for all the work that's going on in here, in this room, in this in this city, in this town, in this in this country, in this on this planet. There's some things happening. There's some things rolling, and we're a part of it. Thank you that we're we're just not sidelined. We're a part. We're in the center of what's going on, and I just pray that we're we. Continue to be sensitive to that and uh, help help all that's going on this morning just be one more pebble in that wall that you're building in Jesus' name. Okay, so James, Jesus' brother, became an apostle and he wrote, uh, he wrote some stuff. Oh, by the way, I get nervous because I'm like, this is... This is just a file, okay? So I, I only brought, <laughs> I'm not going to go through all this. I only, this is going to be kind of a part of an old teaching or excerpts from an old teaching. So I just brought this because in case I need to refer to some verses, because I sometimes can't pull them out, out of the top of my head. <clears throat> so James is writing to um, his people to the Jews who were scattered all over the world, his world that he knew at that time. And he writes this. He said, let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust and enticed. Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. And then he goes on the very next verse. I love these things because they just seem, if you're just reading this stuff and you don't have any idea, it just seems like, okay, hard right turn. What are we doing here? What, was, what's, what are you talking about here? And he says, do not be deceived, my, my beloved brethren, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Okay, now that's a, I mean, that's a, that's a nice verse. We can, we can, if he was writing to the Gentiles, they would say, that's interesting. There's some insight into what, who God is and what he's about and, and, and what he wants to do with me. But he was writing to Jews and if you said this to a Jew, when he says, let no one say he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God, because God cannot tempt, or cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone else, ever. If you're a Jew, and you're hearing this, you're thinking, so, what was the deal with that tree? in that garden that brought about evil that produced this mess that we're in. When you say, no, no, God, God doesn't ever tempt anybody. In the minds of the Jews, and I know, trust me, I know I've talked to some people who aren't Jews, the minds of people in the church, it's like that tree was like putting a big old cake in the middle of the playroom and saying, don't eat this to a bunch of, you know, two-year-olds. So is that not ever 
putting temptation in front of somebody. And people have a, people have a hard time with it sometimes. Roy wanted me to, to talk about a subject here that I, that I taught, if, if it wasn't the first year, it was really soon after we first began. And he told me, um, he has his reasons for me wanting me to teach this, I guess, but, but he said it was, it, 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 was, um, it was very meaningful to him. It, sh- it was a game changer for him when he began to understand some of the things that are in this. I'm not actually going to combine a couple of different teachings here. But, but um, so I, I, I think I know what he's, where he's going or what he wanted because I'm, it has to kind of be in the flow of where he's going with hearing from God because that's where we're at. I mean, that's where we're at in this church. We've got to learn to hear from God. And so this, this is going to kind of go um, on with that. So, so I'm going to go back again to the beginning. So some of you, apologies to some of you who have heard this thing once or twice or three times or whenever it is. But I did, I did note when I was standing back there, there's a lot of new people here, right? So this is for you. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to focus on you guys because I'm that I'm I'm different than Roy. If I, I you could I could be teaching in the biggest venue on the planet. I don't know what that is. I could be teaching at the Colosseum of Rome. I could be teaching whatever the thing is. I don't even know. And everybody there be absolutely brand new. And I could mention to the guy in the front that parks my car that. I'm teaching this and this and this and give him some of the details. If I walk in there and I see he's sitting out there, it's like, even though no one else has heard it, I don't want to repeat this because he's heard this already. That's just, that's how I'm made. So it's, it's hard for me to get, to get past that. So I'm, again, the, you should never, rule number one, never apologize. So I'm sorry for doing that. <laughs> 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 okay, so, all right, so, so here's this thing. He says, this thing about um, God is, he just doesn't test, tempt anybody. He just doesn't do that. But there was this tree. So what was that tree about? Why did he put that tree there? God went to a lot of trouble in his efforts of creation, of course, which was no effort to him up until a certain day. It was just simply he spoke and it was. That sounds pretty effortless. But there came a point when he put a little muscle into it and he actually physically, after everything was all created and he created man, and then he says he, he got down on his hands and knees unless he had a garden hoe, which maybe he did, but he planted a garden. He didn't create a garden, he planted. He took the seeds of the things that were already planted and he planted a garden. So there was some effort there. And so you think, and he was trying to create a place to put man in that he loved, and all this was for man, and he loved man, okay? But then he did some really unbelievably, <laughs> trying to think of a word to say, confusing things. He put two things in there. He put that tree and says, here, this is an awesome tree, but just don't eat it. You can eat everything else. Don't eat that. It's like the kids. You can have the, you know, you can have the kicks and the Cheerios and all the stuff. Don't eat the cake, okay? Just eat the rest of this stuff. So, but then you put another thing in there, and it says, we, we know from Ezekiel, does anybody know what the other thing is that he put in there? In the garden? Nobody trusts me. It's not a trick question. What was it? The tree of life. But now this is but that was a good thing. This is another questionable thing. Yeah, that was that was a tree. He put that in there, but there was something else. He put the devil there. So we got we have now you have in Ezekiel it says that 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 Satan, known as Lucifer at that time, <clears throat> he says, You were in the Garden of Eden. Because I put you there. So that's weird for a God who says, I never tempt you with anything. Didn't tempt you with anything, you know. 
you guys did this all yourself because you can't put this on me. It's hard for people to understand. Now, I get it. I do. But for the sake of you who don't, <laughs> this is a really hard, it's a hard thing to try to explain. But it's pivotal. It's a pivotal thing of understanding. So, and, and because we can, uh, Christians tend to compartmentalize things and they read and they understand and they study and they listen to things until they get to a part where they don't get it and it just doesn't line up and it doesn't make sense and they take this and it just gets put over here and then they just keep reading. And it stays up on this thing and that's never dealt with, is never, is never really understood. But the Bible says that we should understand this stuff. I think it's there because we need to understand it. And I think that James, when he wrote what he did here, he gave us a hint when he talked about that verse later. I don't know if he, if he intended to, but you'll, you'll see in a minute what I'm talking about. He says, whenever good gift and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation, no shadow of turning. That's a weird way to, 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 state, to phrase something. But James was tapping into something that God was trying to communicate way back in the garden. Okay, <clears throat> so... The, the thing that he's, that the teaching that Roy wanted me to tap into was the Tobe and, and Tobe and Roy, I almost said, Tobe and Ra. <laughs> so, okay, so how many people know what those two words mean? Tobe and Ra, two Hebrew words. Okay, Hannah, what, is, what does Tobe mean? Ah, good, yeah. Good, so... So Ra means evil. It was, it, was the, it was the tree of the knowledge of Tob and Ra. Okay? And so, so this is, we, we talked about, and in, in, even in my introduction, my great introduction, he talked about how good God was. And God is so good, right? We can know this. If nothing else, we have to just understand if something comes into our mind that, that, that is in disagreement with that concept, God is good then we have to figure out what that means and that's why that's why i'm going with this thing here <clears throat> with this teaching because we've got if if we think god's tempted us to do something we shouldn't be doing he says he didn't but in our minds we think uh-huh yeah he did we've got to get that taken care of right okay so so in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was, earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the day, I mean, called the light day, and the darkness he called night. Okay, now this is swerving into another teaching that was, a, it's, it's also a difficult teaching, this was this thing about this, this good and evil being associated in, from the very beginning with the concept of light and darkness. Okay, anybody remember me doing a teaching about that? Was, it, was that a hard teaching to, to understand? Okay, here's where... Um, it's, okay, so you have to break these words down. We, we've got a couple of Hebrew scholars in here. And you check me if I'm wrong, okay? Um, <clears throat> but it says, uh, there was light, and God saw that the light was good. God saw that the light was tobe, okay? So everything, what was there before the light? He created all this stuff, created the heavens and the earth. And then he created light. And now it's good. Before that, what was it? It was dark. Darkness was on the face of the earth. And darkness is a, is a, is a thing that is associated with evil. Um, and let me just break these words down and just because this is, we've done, I don't, we probably, I don't even know if we have a thing for the overhead. I probably should have brought something, but um, this, this is the definition of, of raw. All these things, and these are the sub-definitions off of that. And this is the thing that I think got to Roy. This is our definition of good, all these things. Okay. When he talks about, 
that there was in this in the garden a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This is what good is, okay? This is what God wanted the garden to be. This is what he wanted man to experience. Good, the word tobe, means beauty, bounty, cheer, excellence, gladness, grace, happiness, joy, kindness, love, peace, pleasure, prosperity, rest, sweetness, worth, and wealth. That's a did you get all that, Gladdy? You take a note. That's a that's a lot of stuff, and it's all good. I mean that's why it's called good. It's it is an amazing if if your life consisted of nothing but this, these things, these descriptions of grace and gladness and happiness and joy and kindness, how how incredible would that be? And that's the way God wanted our life to be from the very beginning. That's the lesson of Eden. He put them there, and this was their life. The reason why that was their life was because God was there with them in the garden. The garden wasn't good. The earth wasn't good. God said he, he made it good when light entered it. So there's this, there's this analogy that God's used all through the Bible that he is, there's three things that God said he is, or there's more than that, but God is good. It's not God doesn't act good. God doesn't, you know, he, he, he is good. God is light. And God is, God is love. He's, he's those things. And so he, these things in our life help us, the principles of those things, the characteristics of those things help us understand who God is and what God's all about, okay? So all of this are characteristics of God. And you can see a lot of these by the definition of love. If you read what love is, it's a selfless thing, okay? And, and uh, selflessness leads to this to this, to this list of things. Okay, now on the other hand, you have raw, which is evil. Um, and that is this list. I'm not going to read all the subcategories. I'll just read this first thing here. It's adversity, affliction, calamity, displeasure, distress, great grief, harm, heaviness, hurt, ill favor, mischief, misery, sadness, trouble, and wrong. That's what raw is. So they lived in a place, in an environment, where all they experienced was good, all the good stuff. And God said, that's the way your life's going to be unless you eat this stuff here. And if you eat this, then you'll still have the good. It's good and evil. It's knowledge of good and evil. But that now you get to experience something totally different. It's a thing called evil. You will know evil. And I don't think you should. I don't want you to. I don't think you want to. Trust me. Don't go there. Okay? So, so, so that's what we have. That's, that is the story of the, of the tree in the garden. Okay. So now the, this thing about the, the light and the darkness, as I read on in that verse, um, it says God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. Okay. So how did he separate light from darkness? If you have darkness and you bring light into it, the light shines where the light shines, and there's no need to say, okay, I, I decrease separation of this thing. It's just there is light and there's darkness. Okay? But, so that word separated, when he separated, he mean, it means something different than, um, than, than he saw that light was it was different a different intensity than darkness or something? It says he made a distinction. There's a distinction, and it says the the day the light the light he called day and the darkness he called night. And night literally means that Hebrew word for night means a turning away from the light. Okay, and God's tur- God's tr- beginning to paint a picture to us. As long as you're in the light, things are good. When you turn away, things get dark. Things get evil. Okay. Now, in heaven, this is in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
what was before that? The place where God dwells in His presence, in the, pla- in our, in our, in the heaven, the presence of God, there's no sun or stars or moon. There is only God. He is the light. His presence is light. And He is good. Jesus said, when, when somebody was asking Him, or called Him good teacher, He said, why do you call me good? There's nobody good but the Father. God is good. God is light. And this, this has been it's woven all through the Old and New Testament, this analogy to help us see this thing about who, about who God is and what goodness is. Okay, so... Okay, so this is the picture that I, that I sort of painted. And I actually, I, I kind of did this with Scott's group a, a few weeks ago, um, refer to this again. Let's say that this stage up here is a big box. Picture a wall here, the ceiling, and there's nothing else in here but just a big box. And that the state, and that this podium here is a, a great big light bulb, Okay. Picture that? Okay. Now, knowing that you have this light bulb on, and this, this is light, what are you going to see when you look around this thing? Around this? You're just going to see a light. That's all. Will you see any darkness? No. Because this is a light. It shines all around it. All you see is light. And the thing that, that was interesting about what James said he said, where there's, where there's no shifting shadows, there's no turning. It's like, if this light turns around here, say this is a, if this had a face and it turned around, no matter where it turned, all it would see is light. There's no shadows involved. But what happens if you take anything else and introduce it in that room? You have a shadow. You have darkness okay so here's the picture of what's going on he created the heavens and the earth put this garden there put this put the tree there and i'll I'll get to why why he put the tree there but he puts the tree there and he adds his presence there and adam and eve live in a time of incredible goodness that's what God always wanted. And this, again, this is, Roy said this has been, was a game changer for him. I think the thing is, when we think of evil, to stay away from evil, we think of, of the, the most murderous, hateful uh, kinds of things. You know, just, just, just people being just evil. We have this, this idea of what evil is. But if you, if you, um, you, you could walk outside and stub your toe, that's evil because you have pain. You could, you could get a sunburn. That's pain. That's evil. You could feel lonely. You could go home and not know what to eat. You could be hungry. You could be whatever it is. Anything that's the slightest, the slightest degree of not good is evil. Anything that's the slightest degree of not light is darkness. So when God created man, the only way that he could create anything that had no possibility of darkness would be if he would have created himself and an example of that is you know um here's where i have to look at the where the verses are but um it's it actually says that jesus i think that's in i think it's in hebrews hold on a second i'll find it um where is it yeah, in Hebrews chapter 1, actually, it says, talking about Jesus, that he is the radiance of his glory, of God's glory. He wasn't a reflection. He was a radiance. If, the, if we're in this room, and this is the light bulb, and you put another light bulb in, is that light bulb going to cast a shadow? No. There's no casting, because he's radiating God. Jesus is the only one who radiated because he was God, and he is good. So he radiated. The rest of us, we reflect. So, okay, so now I'm Adam, okay? And this is God. This is the light bulb. As long as I'm facing the light bulb, what do I see? I see light before me. I look down and I'm light. I look all around me. I see everything is light. And so what am I experiencing? 
good. My life is good because I'm, I put myself in God's presence. And, he's, and, and I'm reflecting that goodness. Everything about my life reflects the goodness of who God is because I'm right in front of him. But what happens if I go like this? What am I, what am I seeing? What's right over here? You know, if we've got a room full of light, what am I focused on when I turn around? That's me. That's, I'm, the, I'm the center of my focus. It's me. I want to see what I am, how big I am. I'm just, it's all about me. That's the focus when you turn from God. It's selfishness. And selfishness is the thing that all of this comes from. It all comes from somebody who's more absorbed with himself than he is about God. So now I'm not reflecting God's light anymore. I'm casting my own shadow. So I'm, I'm, I'm causing something in this room that was never there before. Okay, so here's the question. Who created evil? Where did evil come from? Where did that selfishness come from? It's from us. God didn't create evil. He created us. And that's the baggage we have because we're not God. And the solution is to be in God's presence. I mean, I could read, I I won't, but I could honestly read so many verses that, that explain this, that close this loop in the New Testament that talk about being the light as he is in the light, and putting on the light, and the light, the light, the light, the light, the light. It's all, it's all being in God's presence. We reflect this light. Okay, so, and then, again, I won't read it, but this would get too long if I did, but... Um, he talks about the, uh, the moon then, creating the moon. And the moon was a reflection of God's light. And the moon was to, was to rule the night, and the sun was to rule the day. So here's this thing. There, there's a suggestion where, that where God is light, he's the sun in this, in this example, we're like the moon. We're reflecting God's light. Okay, so if we reflect God's light, God's goodness, God's authority, as he put man on the earth and said, you reflect my who I am on this place. That's what I want you to do. And a lot of people think, well, for us to say we have authority, God's given us authority, all stuff diminishes God, it doesn't. Because, okay, so here's, here's the light bulb again. Here's, here's me. Let me see how I can... You know, actually, you guys should be lucky, especially you, Patty. Because I was going to use examples up here. I was going to have some people come up and illustrate this, but I thought, nah, it'd take too long, but... It would have been funny. Anyway, so, so okay, so there's the light. And here's, here's me. I've turned, I've turned and I'm, look, I'm all you know, looking at myself. If I turn back around and I'm facing the light, this guy over here who's got his back to God and all he sees is, is his own shadow, all of a sudden he sees this guy who's reflecting God's light and now, so, so what we're able to do is, is reflect God's light in a place where God can't be. So it's, so it's not a diminishment of God's power and authority and love. It's an extension of it. And that's why we're here. Because we reflect light in dark places where people aren't facing the light. So, so it, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a beautiful thing here, here how this works. Um, <clears throat> um, let's see. Okay, so, so we go back. Here's this, I'm going to throw this in too. So Adam and Eve, you know, the, there's that tree thing. Okay, so what's the tree there for? What's the function of this stupid tree? Why did he put this there? Okay, the relationship that God has with us has always been based on this. You be my people, and I'll be your God. Right? You've heard me say that how many times? All right. In the, in the 
environment of that garden, what that always means is if you're going to be my people, you trust me and you obey me, right? If I'm going to be your God, I'm going to provide for you and I'm going to protect you and I'm going to keep you in this place where it's all good, right? Okay. The tree is the thing. It was the one thing where they could have chosen to not trust him and not obey him. As long as they did trust him and obey him, all the rest, there, was no, there were no other requirements at all in their life. But there had to be something there. There had to be something that kept their focus on the light. And trust and obedience is the thing that focuses, focuses us on that light, keeps us in God's presence. That's why the tree was there. God didn't put the tree there for us to fail. God put the tree there to keep us focused so our life would be good. So, so it was a good thing. When he, so when, when, when James says God put this tree, or James says that God doesn't tempt anybody with evil, he's exactly right. God didn't put the tree there to test us. God put the tree there to keep us focused on the light. So you see, do you see that distinction? Does that sound like a stretch? This is so weird up here whenever I'm teaching because I'm just like, I don't get anything. I get nothing. <laughs> okay, so, so now, here's what, now here's how this happens. Uh, let me see. I'm going to go ahead and read these things too because I just pulled it up. He is light. He is good. He is love. Let me just give you a couple of verses because I think it's kind of neat. This is a message you heard from, from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. That's one of those things. He is light. He's not living in the light. He doesn't reflect light. He just doesn't know how to turn on the light. He is the light, okay? And then, okay, so he is good. God is good. Psalm 105, his loving kindness is, is everlasting and faithfulness to all generations, so he is good. One, Psalm 130, let's see, no, let's see. Um, there's another one. Oh, love. He is love. First uh, John 4, 7, 9. It's in... I won't read this whole thing, but it's that group of verses is talking about God is love. He's not loving. He's not lovable. He is love. And that love is associated with light. Okay. So love is a, when you think about, what's the, what's the verse that comes to mind every time you think about love and a description of love? What? They're murmuring. Philippians, did you, John three sixteen. Okay, that's a good one. What's the description of love itself? First Corinthians thirteen. That's what I was going. So read that, and everything about love in that verse is about selflessness. Does not consider a wrong suffered. Um, what is it? I don't have it in front. What some? Does somebody? Somebody read it, if you got it. Um, I thought I had it here somewhere too, but I don't have it. Oh, yes, I do. Here it is. See? Okay. Love is patient. That's not selfish. Love is kind. It's not jealous. Does not brag. Is not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. Is not does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. Rejoice, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, never, love never fails. That's the description of God's character, right? This is God's word saying, I am love and this is who I am. I am selfless, okay? So um, the opposite of that is selfish, right? So if God is good, and we're not good, if we're, if we're exhibiting not goodness, we were, we're going to exhibit something that's selfish. And I wanted to uh, give you a, a couple of examples of how you, we can take the things of God um, and, oh, where is it? See, this, okay, this is why you should, it's hard to deal with notes, but this is how you can take the things, take some things that are good things, <clears throat> that are God things, and if you add self to it, it becomes just the opposite thing. 
Okay, so here's here's one love. Okay, now the Greeks had a whole bunch of different words for love. Okay, you know that there's there's storage, there's phileo, there's eros, there's there's agape. And all of those words that we have for love other than agape, agape is the one that describes God's kind of love. All the rest is just love for your family, love for, you know, this this romantic love that you have with your spouse or your girlfriend or your boyfriend, love for children, love for you know, all, all that different kinds of love. Okay. But if you but those are selfish loves, okay? And when you add self to the concept of who God is, God is love. When we take love and we add ourselves to it, what does it become so many times? Have you ever heard of anybody who ever broke up from a relationship that... <laughs> anybody? No, nobody's ever heard of that. That's... What room am I in? Okay. <laughs> okay. If you... You know, this is this is what it's selfishness. Self, you can start a relationship with love and end with absolute hatred. I've just seen this over and over and over again. Haven't experienced it myself, but I've seen it. It's just amazing. Self did it on both parts. Self does that. It warps and and takes way out of shape what God began as a good thing. Let me give you another one. Um, honor, position, privilege, where God wants to elevate us. We can take that, and when we put self into it, what, what do we end up with? Pride, arrogance, evil stuff. It's just darkness. And that pride and arrogance, you ever been around a really proud and arrogant person? They can just be mean. They can, they can demean people. They can... They can bring about what is in that list of affliction, calamity, distress, grief. How many, how many people worked for a, an employer who was so full of himself or herself and they could just make your life miserable because they're so full of themselves and they're selfish. And so that, it just it radiates that shadow that I'm talking about. Okay, the turning away from from uh, from the light. Okay, um, do one more. Um, justice. Okay, we kind of touched on this the other day. Justice. You, we, we can. First of all, there's no. There's. I don't think there was ever any concept of justice in heaven, because there was no. There was not necessary. There was no, there was no uh, uh, different kinds of personalities and people clashing and different different thoughts and ideas of what fair is. We've turned justice into our own concept of fairness. And I said the other day that God's not interested in our fairness, and it doesn't sound like God's very nice doing it. But He is a just God. He's not a fair God. Fairness is subjective. We all think that we're, that people are treating us unfair. And it's all, again, based on selfishness. You have to treat me fair. I mean, it's, it's a, I, I swear, you could, you, could have, you could have somebody who will lie and cheat and, and uh, harm people and dishonor people and do all kinds of things, but the one thing that is, is an unfailing virtue in their own life is this strong belief and attitude and well-defined position of what is fair to them. And it's, and that's, but that's because we take uh, uh, yeah, uh, justice, add self to it, and it becomes fairness, and it becomes skewed because you can have, you know, it, there's, there's, it's just, again, so subjective. And it's always focused on me. And I'll give you an example of this. Okay. Cain and Abel. Right? The first generation. Cain was the firstborn son of mankind. Okay? The first guy. And so he, he's, he uh, you know the story, he gets into this, this thing where, where apparently he's been instructed about how to do the sacrifice. And so he brings a sacrifice to God. Abel brings his sacrifice to God, which, by the way, 
The very fact that there is Abel after all this, remember I said there was darkness, he said that there was a tree of, of goodness, uh, experiencing goodness and uh, evil. This is a good example. Cain and Abel, Abel are a good example of this. We, if you have a, a systematic theology book, you probably have a section in there that talks about the depravity of man. And they think that when man fell, he became totally, absolutely depraved, incapable of having a good thought or good or, or anything. That's not true. I don't believe that's true. I think that what, when, when the man turned away, when Adam turned and Eve turned toward darkness, God didn't go away. There's still light. It wasn't, it wasn't the creation of evil. It was the knowledge of evil along with the knowledge of good. You're going to experience both. It was their choice, right? So, so there was not this, this total depravity, but there was depravity. Their minds tended toward selfishness all the time. But, there, but we have Abel, who is an example of somebody who didn't yield to it. He still walked with God. So there's that potential. But, so, but in, in, Cain's, in Cain's case, so he brings the sacrifice. Abel brings his. God's happy with Abel, and he's not happy with Cain. So he had just disregarded it. He disregarded it because it wasn't the right thing. Okay, didn't do the right thing. But in Cain's mind, and here's the thing, Cain was not an evil, wicked man yet. Cain was just somebody who got it wrong. But Cain did his sacrifice in a way that made sense for him. In those days, it said Abel tended the flock and Cain kept the, the field, okay? It's just stuff that they did. Nobody owned anything. There was no such thing as ownership in those days. Cain, if you read Josephus, later developed the whole concept of ownership and markets and placing value on things and trading things and, and, and all that stuff. Cain went off and that's what, that's what he did. His, that was his reaction to what was about to take place here. So Cain, in his own mind, had already decided, what good is it if I take one of those flocks that Abel's been tending? I got no blood in that. I got no, you know, no toil in that. That not, has nothing to do with me. I want to take something that, pre- that represents what I've done. So I'm going to take this. But it was wrong. And, and it made sense to him, made total sense. So God speaks to him and said, look, Cain, you look like you're unhappy. But you really don't have to be. If you just do the way I said to do it, it's all going to be fine. And then he says something really interesting. But if you don't, Sin is crouching at your door, and it desires to have you. He hadn't sinned yet, right? He hadn't sinned. He just had made a mistake based on his own self-logic of what made sense. So God said, but sin's crouching at your door. If you don't, you've got to master this thing, because if you don't, it will master you. It desires to have you, okay? So then what, so they get down to their talk. God's not mad. I mean, his, I could just imagine God's conversation. He must have just, he approached him. You can see it in the words. It was loving. It was a loving confrontation. But Cain didn't take it that way. So Cain did what we all do when we want to uh, have our position justified and feel vindication. He went to the Facebook of his day, and there weren't very many people on it. There was, there was only Abel. <clears throat> so it says he goes, it doesn't really say, it says, he, it says he went and told or spoke to his brother. Doesn't say anything else about the conversation. But we can assume from that that, that Abel's saying, well, yeah, God's right. You just, you just did it wrong. And I think Abel was looking for, you know, again, justification. He didn't get it. So he picked up a big rock and defriended him. <laughs> and that was so and so God comes back and confronts him again and he says okay because you've done this now you you know sin has got you now and you know way back remember when we were talking about the verse in James there's a there is a 
a progression towards sin. And that's what he said. Each one is, is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desire and enticed. But when desire or lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. That's, just, that's where sin shows up right there. And then when sin has its full-grown being, it brings forth death. And so he says, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send you away. And, you know, you can't be here, and I'm going to curse the ground, and it's not going to work, and it's all, all this kind of stuff. And what is his response? He's just killed his brother. What is his response to what God has, has just said to him? He says, that's not fair. So this what you're what you're saying this is this is more than I deserve, and it's just this immediate selfishness. You just see it all over that that story that of that the really the first encounter after Adam and Eve. It's just total selfishness, and that's where every evil thing comes from. Let me read a couple of other verses uh, where I'm at here time wise. Um, okay, First John. Two, do not love the world, nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world... Now remember, he's talking about the world that he once had pronounced was a good thing. He said, all that's in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the boastful pride of life, these are not from God. Because that's not who God is. That's not what he's about. This is from the world. And the world's passing away, and also it's lusts but the one who does the will of the Father will live forever, okay? Another one, it says, what's the source of the quarrels and conflicts with you? Think about the story of Cain. Is not your sor- this, uh, the source of your pleasure, oh, excuse me, is not the source of the conflicts, your pleasures that wage war in your members. You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You're envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do, you do not have because you did not ask, and when you ask, um, uh, uh, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Everything, every evil, the whole thing on this list comes from our own turning away from the light. So we're not reflecting goodness, we're reflecting selfishness. It's got to be my way. Somebody, you know, Roy uses the, the example all the time of somebody cuts you off in traffic. That guy who cuts you off, he's exhibiting, he's reflecting. His, the shadow that you're seeing is his shadow. And he's, and he's who knows, somebody cut him off. Or maybe he had an argument with somebody. Or maybe you mistakenly did something that made him mad, you know, in driving. Maybe you didn't see him. Or, or, and then, so then he cuts you off. Then you're mad and you cut. So I have all these shadows, this, this, this thing arcing all over the, all over the place. And that's, that's how this happens. And God's saying, if this, if this wasn't to be, if you'd get rid of the selfishness, if you'd think of others as higher, higher than yourself, like Jesus did when he came, you could be living in a much better place. And in fact, that's what he prescribed for the church. We can look at Adam and Eve and think, those idiots... They were given a choice. They could have lived in absolute, total goodness. And they chose to experience evil. How stupid is that? Well, in their defense, you know, of course, nobody had ever lied before. And so they were deceived. And so they have a little bit of an an excuse. Didn't make any difference. They still made the choice. But the choice wasn't just theirs. Later on, we see... In Deuteronomy chapter 30, right when um, Moses is about to, to lead the people in the promised land, and he, of course, doesn't get to go, but he's telling them, he says, he's pleading with them, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his, ju- his judgments, that you may live and multiply but that the Lord your God may, um, may bless you in the land where you're entering to possess it. But if your heart, this is an interesting phrase here, if your heart turns away, 
and you do not obey, but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I declare you will sure, surely perish. And he goes, he goes on from there. Okay, so this is interesting terminology. He says, see, I've set before you today life and prosperity. The word prosperity, let's see. Do you have it up there? Uh, go back to verse 15. Yeah. Okay, life and prosperity. The word prosperity there is the word tob. I've set before you life and good. You can choose that. You have an opportunity going into the promised land, the children of Israel, you can choose that. Or death and adversity. The word adversity is the word raw, evil. You have a choice, the same choice that Adam and Eve did way back then in the garden. And if you choose right, if you follow my covenant, when you live in this land, nobody's going to be sick. You're going to prosper. Everything you set your hand to do prospers. It's all good, baby. You're going to be, it's going to be so good in this land unless you turn. What did they do? Given the same choice, they turned and they chose darkness. And you, and you see the history of Israel what that got him. God says again to the Israelites in uh, Jeremiah 29, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for, now here's an interesting one. This doesn't say good. It's what it says, uh, it's, uh, that's Jeremiah 29, um, one, 11. Um, so he says, I, have, I know plans, declares the Lord, plans for welfare. And that word welfare is not, unfortunately, I thought it would be, it's not good. It's the word shalom. This is the plan I have for you, shalom. Does anybody know what the word shalom means? Peace. It's a, that's, that's the shorthand of what the, what the meaning is. It's peace. It's a greeting. When they come and when they go, it's a, it's a blessing. It's more than a greeting. It's a blessing. So this is what it means. Wellness, happiness, friendliness, health, prosperity, peace, goodness, Rest and safety. That's what shalom means. What does that remind you of? It reminds you of Tob. It's, it's the same list. So he says, I know the plans. This is what I think. When I think about you, this is what I think. I think of shalom. That's what I want for your life, going into the land of Israel. And not for calamity. And the word calamity is, it is that word, ra. That's not my plan. It never was. You go into the children, into the land of Israel, you're going to have a good life if you don't turn. Okay? So now you have Adam and Eve chose wrong. Now you have the children of Israel chose wrong. What about us? Have we been presented with that choice? Absolutely. And you can find verses. And I didn't, I didn't take the time to look at them, but I thought but one of them came to mind. It says, the one who sows to his own flesh and selfishness will from the flesh reap corruption and endings and death and bad stuff. And then he says that the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap not just life, eternal life, but he, but he also, there's a suggestion of life when, he, when the word salvation, sozos, is a, is a word that suggests health and healing and goodness and all of this stuff. It's what God wants. It's the third choice. It's the third possibility. Our third opportunity for man to get this right. And say, I've given you a choice. I'm laying a choice before you. I'm giving you life and prosperity, death or adversity, Tob or Ray. Ra. And here's what do you choose? Choose life. Moses said, in case you just, it's, a, it's not a trick question, but in case you stupid, choose life. I'll give you the answer. Choose life. It's our choice. It was Adam and Eve's choice. It was the children of Israel's choice. And it's our choice as the church. Now, there's some, this, you can't take a single teaching, unfortunately. I always feel like I have to do these little things. 
and make it apply to everything. We also have, there are some things that, that, that bring uh, evil into our life from the outside, some persecution and some things like that. But in terms of, of how we should live with each other, thinking of each other as more important than ourselves, and just on and on and on, all the principles of the New Testament, the Tob and Ra principles still apply. And within the church umbrella, within the church, which isn't just this, it's the church. God's desire for us is goodness and not evil. So, okay, for the new people here, did you learn something new? Okay, good. Um, it seemed like there was something else I was going to go with this, but I, I can't bring it to mind, so I'm not, I'm assuming it wasn't good. <laughs> so, um, we're just going to uh, have the prayer team up here. And uh, just if, if there's anything, I think one of the things, again, that, that Roy in his conversations with me in the past has said that there are so many things that we accept in our life because it's not abject, horrible evil. We just accept it as it's just the way I am. It's just the way life is. It's just how things happen. But according to what I read here, you know, God says what he said to the Israelites, he's saying to me because his message has been consistent all the way through from the time of of the Garden of Eden when he got on his knees and planted that thing and said, I want a good life for these people and I want them to subdue the earth. What are they subduing? They're subduing anything that's not good. His light was supposed to reflect God's glory on the earth. So, so when we do that, if we if we accept, you know, uh, sadness and pain and bitterness and anger and and um, just loneliness and all of this stuff, it's not God's God's will. It's like He said, he said I I know the plan that the devil has for you. It's, it's you know his, it's pretty much spelled out. He came to rob and to kill and destroy, Amen. but I came to do two things. I came to destroy his works and I came that you to have life abundantly. And so what he's saying is, I know the plans that he's made and I know what plans you've made, but you've got to listen to me. These are the plans that I've made and it's all good. And we've got to get our minds around this. This is not, the devil has cleverly made us think that our lives <clears throat> should be lives in some, in some areas of, of suffering and lack and offering and just and, and all this stuff, it's not. And this is this is not the uh, what the church has claimed the, the name it claim it thing. <clears throat> That's not what it's about. This is simple Bible truth. We have a God who loves us, and if you love your children, if you have children, if you know anything what what that is, you hate it when you see them entering pain, and you want their life to be good, and sometimes. To get them to that place of goodness, you have, they have to go through some pain. But that's where you want to direct them. And that's what God wants in every, every one of our lives. So, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> and it's also, again, my voice is leaving again. <clears throat> but if this, this coincides, I guess, with we have to know what God's heart is for us. We have to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. We can make decisions, but sometimes our decisions are based on things like Cain chose, made absolute sense to him. But we have to be able to hear God when he says, listen, that's not right. You're okay, and you'll be happy, and it's all good if you just do this right. We've got to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. So um, anybody, as you're coming forward, as the, as the, the prayer team is up here, uh, yeah, come on up here. And if there's anything that this has touched you with, if there's a, li- a, a area of your life that's you're, that you're in question about whether God is doing what God is doing, what you should do, what your next step should be, please come and, and pray with these guys. They, they, you know, that's what that's what they come for. They pray for. They pray about. They want to be that that voice in your life. So, Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that. 
even if, it's, if, if things seem confusing, if we press in and we understand everything based on the knowledge that you are a good God, bring us to that truth, Father, with everything that we study, everything in your word, every word of this word that you've, that you've given us has to reflect your goodness or there's something we're not seeing right. Help us to figure that out. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.